Hello and welcome to the ISBA BursaCast Supplement. Today's episode is all about cross-sector partnerships between the independent and state sectors. Today we're joined by Christina Aston, who will introduce herself imminently. But to give you a flavour of the episode, we're going to be diving into some of the most effective strategies for fostering successful partnerships, looking at the value and significance of them, the role bursas play in making them happen, along with some practical takeaway advice for navigating the common misconceptions and pitfalls surrounding it. And with all of that out of the way, I'd just like to say, Christina, thank you so much for joining me. Would you mind just briefly introducing yourself and a little bit about how you ended up being in the role that you are? Yes, well, thank you very much for having me. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. My name's Christina Astin. I'm a partnerships consultant. Uh, I've spent most of my life in the classroom as a physics teacher and then leading science. And about 10 years ago, I started a job as head of partnerships um, at an independent school, King's Canterbury. And that led me to meeting a lot of other people in the same sort of role. We set up um, a group called the Schools Together Group so that we could um, discuss the, the, the role and what it entailed. And uh, when I left King's in 2020, uh, I went solo as uh, a partnerships consultant. And now I'm offering partnership support in, in many different ways, through training, through writing, through speaking, through talking on podcasts like this. And most recently, I've, I've actually put all of that thinking and, and research into uh, a book, which uh, maybe we'll talk about later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th- thank you for giving us that, that picture of your kind of brief CV of life. I think we've come across your workbook, and we've mentioned it a few times on, on the Versacast on the Thursday episodes. And Julie Robinson of the ISC has been very vocal about how valuable and important A, the book is, and B, just partnerships between the independent and the state sector are. And this is a topic that is vast and can seem, I guess, quite daunting to really broach and get into. So hopefully today we can get through some of the topics that I'm sure are on Versa's minds and offer a bit more of a, of a perhaps a route in to making the most of the partnerships. So that the first question I'm going to ask is, what is the value and significance of cross-sector partnerships? Is, is it the same thing as outreach? It's not really the same thing as outreach. And, and actually, when I ask schools why they are uh, working in partnership with state schools, I get lots and lots of different reasons. And it sometimes surprises people that the, the biggest reason that comes out is that partnerships bring benefit to the independent school pupils. Um, so rather than outreach, which is very much a, a charitable philanthropic good for the community, partnership is much more mutually beneficial. And, and actually, the language for that has really changed. So when we started up the Schools Together group in 2016, we, we were hearing things from the government like, you know, independent schools should be helping state schools. And that's kind of actually unhelpful, because if a state school sees you wanting to collaborate with them and, uh, you know, they're just going to think, well, you're, you're ticking a charitable status box. So there is a difference. Of course, independent schools do fantastic charitable good for the community. After all, most of them are set up as charities. And the idea of the public school is to do public good. Uh, And we have bursaries, of course, and we raise lots and lots of money for for charities and we do good in the community. But 
Partnership is different. This is where there is capacity building, where there is, as I say, mutual benefit and, and everyone actually gains from, from partnership working. So I think the significance has really changed. I think in the in the last sort of five, 10 years, it has changed a great deal. And I think that uh, more and more independent schools are looking beyond the lending their swimming pool out uh, a few times a year to actually doing something together with other schools in in a way which uh, draws on the expertise of everybody, even if resources are unequal. What are some, and I'm aware that this is going to be a short episode and if people want more, you've A, released a, a longer video on YouTube that sort of discusses this and B, they can just get in touch or get the workbook even better. So I'm aware that we're not going to get into huge detail about these things, but what are some effective strategies for fostering you know, these successful partnerships between independent and state schools? And where's the kind of best place to start mm. with those? Mm. Well, the, the way I structured the workbook actually is is entirely about strategy. It's about building a strategy because, you know, as as anyone listening, if you're a bursar or, or a senior leader in, a, in an independent school, you'll know that you have your whole school development plan, your your school strategy. You know, no no head teacher would get away without having a, a whole school strategy. The governors would insist on it. So um, I think it's important that the partnerships is part of that strategy. So the workbook sort of leads through from the very, very beginning, from auditing any collaborations that you have currently with state schools, right through thinking about um, the needs that you're addressing. That's your own needs as a school, but also your partner school needs, you know, where are the challenges in education? And goodness knows, you know, there are lots of them at the moment. How is working in, in partnership going to address some of those challenges? And then it goes through um, various tips for getting started. And so if there are people listening who who haven't really moved beyond that sort of outreach relationship with a, a state school, then it really does help you to, to show how to build relationships. And I think relationships are absolutely key and they underpin everything. And the, and the great thing for bursars listening is that, of course, relationships don't really cost anything. And by meeting with our counterparts in other schools, preferably head to head, but other other colleagues with other colleagues, um, you can start to build a trusting relationship, learn about each other's needs and, and, and issues and challenges and start to emerge. Um, various partnership projects will, will, will emerge from them. And then the the next part of the strategy, of course, is to think about um, evaluating impact. And that's really key. And again, this is something that that anyone working in a financial capacity in a school will appreciate that you've got to be looking for a return on your investment. So where there is outlay of resources, of time, of money, then we've got to know whether we're making a difference. So thinking about that right from the start, working out what your end goal is, and what you're going to do to try and meet that goal, you know, whether it's um, shared CPD, whether it's pooling together some resources for enrichment, putting on a joint concert, whether it's offering a joint A-level together, you know, whether it is sharing facilities or allowing pupils to take part in each other's activities, whatever it is, it is possible to measure the impact and turn that you know, loaned out swimming pool experience into something that you're measuring the impact from, not just, oh, you know, 125 people, pupils took part, but actually 73% of those learnt to swim 25 metres. You know, it becomes far more impactful. And then I think it's really important to be able to report on that impact. 
and communicate that to your your stakeholders, your community, internally, externally, parents, the local community. Uh, because if, if we're doing something fantastic with other schools, then you know we, we want to make sure that everyone knows about it. Then the final part is just putting that all together into a sort of one-page document that really sets out what it is that we're trying to do strategically and aligning that with your whole school development plan. So most schools have something in their ethos or their mission statement, which says, you know, we want our students to become the compassionate citizens of the future or leaders of the, you know, future society or something like that. There's often an outward focus. Um, So partnerships give us the obvious outlet for enacting that, for implementing that. So aligning with the whole school development plan is, is, is really important. So uh, that's the sort of strategy in, in a nutshell. Um, and, and I think it's a, it's a series of, of steps. But thinking about needs and building relationships, I would say are the two biggest strands. Yeah. And something that's become really clear there is it is a, a full school approach in terms of it's not just an ex- another thing that you sort of bolt on. It's got to become part of the whole ethos of the school, as you say. And you mentioned yeah. there that bursters will be happy that, you know, relationships are free. But are, are there some specific financial considerations or, or even funding sources that bursters can explore when looking into, you know, cross-sector partnerships? Yeah, I, I mean, I know I know that a lot of schools um, are concerned that, you know, there's a, there's a cost implication here. But, you know, it's worth just saying that if you're working in a successful partnership, you're actually adding capacity. It, it, it shouldn't be a drain on resources. It should actually be adding something. But, you know, initially there might be some outlay of, of time and cost. And some schools have looked at, at some pretty innovative approaches to, to this. Of course, uh, in many cases, you've got a head of partnerships, somebody leading partnerships. It might be a deputy head, uh, especially in a smaller school where we often find that people have a number of different roles. Um, it'll be somebody who, who has um, some other responsibility as well. And that that salary, that 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 time needs to be covered, of course. But some schools have uh, applied for local grants, charitable foundations. Some schools have gone down the route of adding a, an optional extra donation towards the partnerships activity on school bills. That may not may be a bit controversial at the moment. Others have um, reached out to local suppliers corporate uh, funding or or even alumni um, to offset some of the costs. And I, th- I think sometimes when you uh, involve the community in taking part in your partnerships work, it can be beneficial for everybody. So we used to run a, an activity called Mini Olympics, and it was a whole day of sport and health and well-being uh, messaging for year four pupils from uh, very often um, high pupil premium areas. And um, we reached out to some of our local uh, companies and suppliers to help sponsor the event. So we were able to produce a T-shirt for every child, which, of course, had their logos on the back. So they were walking around the town the whole of the summer wearing these T-shirts on great advertising. And, uh, you know, it was it was great to have that involvement from from the local community. So it brings everybody together. But I think it's, you know, I think if we've got our impact being evaluated and measured, and we know that we're making a difference, then finding finding the funding, you know, is often mitigated, really. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, is are, are there any current schemes or perhaps even just 
methods of measuring the success and impact in terms of either educational outcome or, as you've just mentioned there, you know, broader community engagement? Yeah. And this goes back to the idea of knowing what your goal is from the outset. And I think a lot of independent schools historically have, with the very best will in the world and the best of intentions, offered outreach projects with local schools that come from a place of their their own passion. It might be that they have a real strength in, say, choral music or or drama or or classics or something like that. And and they offer a lovely day, put on a a fantastic event from their own goodwill, Um, which, which is great. But actually, if it's not meeting a need out there with the partner schools, then it's unlikely to be embraced and it's unlikely to be effective or or impactful. So if we think about the need that we're trying to address, it makes it much easier to to measure the impact um, that that, that you're having and to get even some quantitative feedback, even on something um, that sounds as qualitative as a feeling of sense of community or uh, an increase in confidence or an increase in resilience, which many of these sorts of projects do engender. So I've been working with an organisation called Impact Ed, um, and they actually contributed part of one of the chapters. There's obviously a whole chapter on impact evaluation. And actually, since then, we've we've also produced a a slightly longer guide, uh, a how-to guide for independent schools to to help with this this area. Because I think this is something that independent schools are embracing more and more, um, learning to measure their impact and then, as I say, reporting on it, which is which is really important. And when you're gathering data for impact evaluation, it can it can be used in many different other contexts as well. So um, listeners will know about filling in the ISC census return every January. Well, you know, if you've been collecting data on your partnerships, that's one section that's then fairly easy to upload. If you fill in a public benefit return, if you're you're a charitable organisation, then again, you've got some ready-made stats that you can lift and, and put into these reports, as well as adding to your prospectus, to your communications with parents and so on. So something that's been mentioned before on this is, you know, what can be tracked can be improved and being able to have those benchmarks and actually this flows bizarrely into a conversation that we had well I had yesterday with Barnett Waddingham who have just produced with the ISBA a sort of new benchmarking tool that has an education part within that so hugely useful for this and as you say measuring it allows you to then develop it further which I guess is is what you're on about there yeah and and you know all corporates are used to this. You know, they they won't engage in any activity unless they know that it's making a difference and giving them a return on their investment. Um, and it's actually going back to that question of outreach and partnership. Um, this is nicely illustrated. I, I was working with um, uh, a little startup company that was making soap. <laughs> this was during lockdown uh, because I was I was doing a project with some primary schools, uh, some science workshops. That's my my background, my subject background. And uh, so this this woman was making soaps, handmade soaps, beautiful. And she teamed up with uh, an organisation that made environmentally friendly wrapping and packaging. Uh, and that's a partnership, right? They both gain something from it. They wouldn't do it unless they both gained from it. And each of those organisations also does outreach. You know, 
charitable work in the community for their CSR. So the soap manufacturer puts on little soap making workshops for primary schools, um, you know, and she provides little soaps for um, care homes and so on. So but that's a completely different part of the operation. And I think it's great to see schools are now thinking, OK, outreach is, is one area, but partnership is where we gain something as well. And I think that independent schools, you know, because historically there's been a sort of assumption that independent schools are going to help state schools, it's sometimes been a little bit difficult to see what the learning can be in the other direction. And of course, it's it's massive. You know, independent schools educate about 7% of the population. We can't ignore what we can learn from the 93%. And I think that things like data collection, behaviour management, cognitive science in the classroom, these are all areas where the state system has has perhaps made quicker progress than the independent school system. I know schools that have really benefited from that uh, that cross fertilization of ideas. Mm, that's an interesting thing to think about. And a question that we had sort of passed through with the, uh, the advice and guidance team is that: but is there a danger that high performing state school pupils may be drawn across to independent schools on bursaries to the cost of state schools? That's a really interesting question. And yes, yeah, so I've worked with a number of schools who say, well, you know, we're doing this wonderful outreach program to to essentially scout for talent for, mm. for bursary pupils. And that that is, of course, problematic because if a, if a state school sees you approaching and thinks that that might be your motive, then it, they might not be as welcoming. If it if it's if the approach is there and it's about, well, we want to learn from what you're doing and we want to work together. I think there probably needs to be a bit of a firewall between partnership working and bursaries and admissions in, in independent schools. Um, it might cross over a little bit, but I think if the intention is to keep them separate and for partnerships to be about this mutually beneficial space, then that, that danger is, is abated a little bit. But it's, okay. it, it's important and it's difficult. You know, I mean, it's it's very different if you've got, you know, you've got one school which is, you know, doing some big academy sponsorship project. And then you've got a, a small rural prep school which is trying to convince their neighbouring primary school that they wish to partner when actually their financial accounts clearly indicate that they need to recruit more pupils. Hmm. Um, that's that that's very very different so it's it's a bit of a conflict between on the one hand we're trying to justify our charitable status on the other hand we're trying to set up partnerships for mutual benefit thank you for that that was yeah not an easy question to ask and one that i didn't give you beforehand so i apologize and then the next one that sort of follows on from that and i can only apologize in advance again are there any kind of media lines to take as it were that you might suggest to justify the rationale for partnering with a state school? Mm, that's also a very good question. And uh, and don't worry about these random questions, Leo, because uh, <laughs> I remember I used to be a teacher. So I used to get well, this is true. This, this was your life. Off yeah. the cuff questions. Um, yes. Why don't you go away and look, look that up for your home? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I think that's a very important question. And I think... Um, and KISS are, are all over this and, and, and communications and how we communicate to our to our local stakeholders is, is very, very important. Um, and in fact, they've contributed also a, a section to the communications section in the in the workbook. So worth having a look at that. But no, I think it's really important to, to, to think about how you come across 
and and how you relay your your partnerships and and I think if you're going to um, shout about the the wonderful work that you're doing and uh, you know there is a danger of it coming across as virtue signaling uh, so we have to avoid that um, it's I, I think if we can focus on the benefit that we have gained as schools from working in a relationship with another school, another state school. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's another state school, it's just another school. Uh, everyone's benefiting. And if you can draw on some of the case studies that have worked particularly well, and there are some wonderful online examples of enrichment activities like um, Expert Ed, which is a, a fantastic partnership set up by Aundel School and a couple of other schools. There are some fantastic peer mentoring schemes. The OX14 partnership at Abingdon School and Radley and others have been working with their um, local schools. I mean, these are great news stories. And when you can see how much it's benefited their students from interacting with a wider group of people and experiencing different things, learning about resilience, learning about leadership, learning about compassion, you know, this is what makes our schools what they are. If you if you claim that your ethos is all about creating these compassionate citizens of the future, able to deal with uh, any challenge thrown at them, then you know let's show how we are doing that through partnerships with our local state schools. Yeah, absolutely, and I suppose this also plays into the political uh, turmoil. Dare I say that we're currently facing regarding charitable status and uh, about you know the the good news stories as it were and you know the, the real benefit that these can have to the the community as a whole not just the school sort of environment i'm aware that i don't want to take too much of your time so i'm going to ask is there a specific role that bursas can play in promoting and advocating for cross sector partnerships within their school communities especially in regard to perhaps dealing with governors Mm. Yeah, uh, definitely. And and that support from senior leaders, um, whether they are on the academic side or the, the, the bursa side, is absolutely crucial. Not just warm words, but real commitment to show that partnerships is something which is embedded in the school community. Um, as, as you said before, not, not bolt on, but built in. Mm. Um, and ensuring that that strategy aligns with the whole school ethos. In my experience, and I used to address our governing body quite regularly, um, governors are really keen to see cross-sector partnership working um, happening effectively, but it does need to be supported by somebody in post, which you know is going to be a financial decision for a school, preferably somebody senior enough to have the clout that's needed to, for example, commandeer a minibus for an event, uh, get pupils out of school, um, encouraging staff to take part and so on. But then it also needs some admin support because um, as anyone listening who has worked in partnerships will know, there's a lot of sitting on the phone at 3.15 trying to get through to, to primary schools. Um, and that communications piece needs a lot of persistence. So I would suggest that it makes more financial sense to have somebody senior leading on it and uh, with some admin support. I mean, some schools are lucky enough to have whole teams of people uh, working on this as well. So that I think that's my main message is support it. Make sure that you give um, whoever is responsible for leading partnerships time to build those relationships 
um, because that's absolutely key. And, and in fact, one of the things I'm launching next year is a, an induction program for people who are new to partnerships, um, uh, which takes place across the whole year. Um, so we're starting with a, a small cohort um, of people so that takes them right through the whole process of leading partnerships from, from a right start to a, a, a f- fully blown strategy. Oh, fantastic. And then on the note of of resources that are available, where can our dear listener bursars find the Partnerships Workbook? Well, they can head over to my website, which is astinconsulting.com uh, forward slash partnerships. Well, they'll find it somewhere there on, on the website. Um, uh, I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn at Christina Astin. And uh, yeah, it would just be be great to to hear from people. There is a discount for ISBA members, so um, I won't say that on the podcast, but uh, that's been communicated, I think, through yeah, yeah. newsletters. That will give you a twenty percent off discount until the end of July. And uh, yeah, it'd just be great to, to to hear from people. I I do also run a a network for people working in partnerships, which is called hashtag Partner Chat. And we meet monthly. We have monthly breakfast briefings and we take different topics each month and we have an informal Zoom chat um, over breakfast, as, as you might think. And, and we get, we've got over 200 people on the network there. We usually get 40 or 50 coming along to that. So that's quite a useful way of getting to know what other schools are up to. It's certainly been very useful for me and um, uh, lots of examples from, from our chats have found their way into the workbook. Yeah, fantastic. I think all, all these communities that are constantly being built and, and supported are always a good thing. Well, that's really why we started up the Schools Together group in 2016. Um, it was because you, it can be a bit of a lonely job. You're working in partnerships on your own in, in the school. I mean, when I was first appointed, some of my colleagues thought I was something to do with marriage guidance counselling <laughs> until they learnt what partnerships uh, meant in the educational context. Um, and uh, the, the Schools Together group, I should say, has now fledged into a, into a charity called the School Partnerships Alliance. And um, listeners may, may well have come across that. It's free membership at the moment. So I do encourage people to go along and, and join that too. Well, Christina, this has been a hugely insightful conversation. Actually, It's, it's been really interesting getting to know about these details. And yeah, thank you for answering my on-the-fly questions quite so well. <laughs> But yeah, I'll, I'll pop your kind of details, as it were, in the show notes so people can find you and get a hold of you. And yeah, workbook available now. ISBA members do check the, the recent bulletin and newsletters for details of that discount that is available. Christina, I know you're a, you're a very busy woman, so I must let you get back to it. But thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I, I just feel there are so many challenges in education. And if schools work together to address them, then uh, I'm sure the world will be a better place. Absolutely. What a good note to finish on. Thanks very much indeed. (laughs) Thank you. Well, there we are. Thank you very much to Christina for coming on to talk us through all of the details for initiating, developing or evaluating your partnerships with other schools and also to you for listening through to this episode. As always, please do subscribe wherever it is you're listening and share this with members of your team if you think they'll find it useful. To get in touch, please email podcast at theisba.org.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts on perhaps what supplement episodes you'd like to see in the future. For the time being, have a wonderful weekend. Catch you next Thursday for the usual BursaCast and then next week for a new supplement episode. Till then, farewell.